Hey everybody, welcome to the Active Churches Podcast. We hope you are inspired by today's message from one of our teaching pastors here at Active Churches. We are online and we are also in person, so we'd love to have you gather with us 9 a.m. and 1045 here at our Yukaipa location or online on YouTube or Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into our message. Are you paying attention? That was the question that my wife asked me as we sat on the couch together. And the answer to that question was no. See, she had been talking to me and I didn't respond. So she looked up to see what I was doing and gave me this look of confusion. And I wasn't paying attention. I had my AirPods in and I was working on my laptop, listening to some music and I actually noticed that she was looking up at me and I paused my music and I pulled my earbuds out and I said, did you say something? And she said, yeah, are you paying attention? And my response was, I am now. I didn't want to get in trouble. This is a part of the question that I want us to walk through today here at Active Church. If this is your first time with us, my name is Mike and I serve as the lead pastor. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how we can make this time different than last time. And in order to do that, we got to talk about our decisions because they determine the direction and the quality of our lives. And we've been giving questions to help you in those moments when you're making pivotal decisions. And these are questions that you can ask to help you make better decisions and have fewer regrets. Today, I want to talk through a question that actually is the most helpful in those moments when you have to make a decision that's unexpected or unanticipated. Those surprise moments when you were asked to make this decision and you didn't wake up that morning ready to make that decision. Like that moment where you get the job offer and you have to make a decision soon and move within a week. Surprise! That's a tough decision, right? Or maybe that moment where you think everything in your relationship is going well, and then they come to you and tell you that it's not, and surprise, you have a decision to make. This question actually will be so helpful in those moments. And it's actually a question that we introduced to Active Church at the end of 2020. It's a question that opens up your heart and your soul to the movement of God and opens up your life to the direction of God. And so here's the question that I wanna invite you to ask in those unanticipated, unexpected moments to make this time different than last time. You ready? Here's the question. Is there a tension that deserves my attention? Is there a tension that deserves my attention? You know, sometimes we're considering options that create a little bit of tension inside of our hearts and inside of our minds. Something that doesn't feel quite right and it's bothering us and it causes us to pause and this question gives us the space to try to figure out why there is attention because for a lot of us we don't know why we're not sure why we're unsettled or uncomfortable it's a red flag moment i'm sure that you've had someone in your life say it's just got a red flag or maybe you've said that to them there's just a red flag here it's those moments where you know that something just doesn't feel right but you're not sure what to do about it, 
or how to make it right? Well, this question actually gives you the space to pause and to reconsider. Is there a tension that deserves my attention? What is this unsettling feeling in my heart telling me? Is there a tension that deserves my attention? And the tension always doesn't come from inside. It actually can come from those around you as well. Like, have you ever decided that you were going to do something and then someone comes to you and points out something that you hadn't noticed and now there's a tension? And what do we do with those moments? We get frustrated with them, don't we? We start to dismiss them. Well, what do they know really? Like they haven't considered every factor. They haven't walked a mile in my shoes. And we start to dismiss the reality that they're bringing to us. Maybe something we've missed that they're allowing us to see or they're helping us to see. But often what we'll do is dismiss what they've said and start to sell ourselves on the thing that maybe we really don't want to do. And that's why this question, is there a tension that deserves my attention is so good. In those surprise decision moments, in those unexpected, unanticipated moments, is there a tension that deserves my attention, that causes me to pause? I'm going to let this bother me. I'm going to face it until it goes away or until I go another way. That's the question. That's what the question does to help us to make better decisions and have fewer regrets, to help make this time different than last time. You know, this question actually isn't new for us. It's not just something that we're wrestling through. It's something that people long before us were wrestling through, those men and women that were pursuing God. In fact, this question actually shows up in the story of a Jewish man named Daniel. He was a teenager when he lived in Jerusalem and he felt a tension and had to make a decision about what he was going to do. And I want to show you the tension that he felt, and I want you to see the decision that he made. And when you see the tension and you hear about the decision, you might actually see it as something so simple. Why was there even a tension? And yet when you hear about Daniel's why, it'll help us understand why he responded the way that he did to the tension. And I want to take you to his story. It's found in the document of Daniel, in the Old Testament in the Bible. And so if you have a Bible with you or you have access to the Bible app, would you turn to Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And if you're watching this, the verses will be on the screen for you. But here is the story of Daniel. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, or dominated it, or destroyed it. The king made an order to bring some of the Israelites to the royal family and to the nobility in Babylon and to bring them in to serve. These young men were without any physical defect. They were handsome. They were showing aptitude for every kind of learning. They were well-informed. They were quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. And the writer tells us that among them were some from Judah, including Daniel and his friends. And his three friends were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we get introduced to Daniel in what's actually a very painful moment. His city has been destroyed. His hometown has been 
broken apart. It was besieged, is what the writer says. It's a powerful word to talk about the domination of this giant nation of Babylon. And he went from freedom to slavery in a minute. Daniel was used to one way of life, and then his way of life was destroyed. And now he has to live a whole different way of life. And yet, as we read, it doesn't sound like it's going to be so bad, though, right? Like, we're told that he's in slavery, and yet he's going to be able to work at the palace. He's going to be able to get an education. He's going to be able to learn. And he's going to be able to do all of this with his friends. And so, if you have to be in slavery, this might actually be the ideal slavery moment. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? But this is Daniel's world. But remember, he's in a whole new world, like Aladdin saying to Jasmine. He's in a whole new place. And things are different, and he begins to feel a tension. And we're introduced to that tension in verse 5. It says, The king assigned each of them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. And so these young men that are taken into the king's house, the king's palace, are actually going to be cared for in a really significant way. They're going to get food and wine from the king's food and wine. And that's the best of the best. That's the greatest food in the kingdom and the greatest wine in the kingdom. There's no complaints here, right? Like that's the best way to live. Daniel is a part of that group and it was going to be given to him and his three friends and all of the young men that had been brought into the palace. And the purpose was to keep them healthy, strong, and to allow them to be great servants of the king. And this was going to be a three-year process. But Daniel, Daniel felt a tension when it came to this food, and he knew that there was something that he was feeling that he couldn't ignore. Even though in those moments, because he's like you and he's like me, even though in those moments he probably felt like he was going to ignore it. He was going to turn his attention to what he should just do instead of the thing that he was invited to do or felt that he needed to do. And so Daniel does something pretty courageous. Daniel speaks up. He speaks up to his superior that's in charge of him. And it wasn't because he was ungrateful, but it was actually because he already had committed his life to a king. Not the king of Babylon, but the king of his heart was the God of the universe. And he had already committed his life to God. His life was shaped by who God is and what God does and what God has invited him to do. How he treated his body and how he treated the somebodies around him was so intricately involved in the relationship that Daniel had with God. It was so intimately involved in who he was and who he was becoming in his relationship with God. He would honor God in his body. And then because of that, he would honor God in the somebodies around him. This this was his example. This is the reflection of the fact that he actually is committed to God. And knowing this helps us to understand his next request. The writer tells us that Daniel resolved not to defile himself. 
with the royal food, not because it was terrible food and not because he was ungrateful, but because he had made a commitment as to what he would put in his body, the food he would eat based upon his relationship with God. And so he resolved to not defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission to not defile himself in this way. So there's some layers to this. And I want to show you a couple of those layers. First, this was a way that Daniel was choosing to live and he wasn't going to negotiate it. He really was committed to this. This was the passion and purpose of his life. But Daniel also understands his reality. (laughs) He's been kidnapped. He is now part of a whole new nation. How things were are gone. How things are are what they are. It is what it is for Daniel. And he understands that having the commitments that he had in his previous hometown were going to be maybe a bit more difficult in the new palace and in this new world. And yet Daniel was not going to negotiate that, but he also was not going to force it upon anybody. He wasn't going to try to force his way. And so the writer tells us that he asks for permission. He asks the one in charge for permission to continue to live to the, what, to the God that he's com- committed himself to. He asked the guy in charge because he had respect for the one in charge. And friends, remember, he could have ignored this tension. And he could have just ate the food that was in front of him because it was real good. And he could have just had the wine because it was real good. And yet Daniel felt the tension and didn't ignore the tension. He had to decide what he was going to do with the tension. And so do you. In those moments, when the tension rises up inside of you, or when the tension rises up around you because someone's pointing out something that maybe you haven't seen yet, you have a choice to make. Do you face it, or do you ignore it? For Daniel, he decides to face it. Now here's what I know about me, and perhaps it's true of you. One of the reasons why I ignore the tension in my life is because I think I know what's best for my life. Are you with me? I'm sure that you probably think that you know what's best for your life. You and I believe that we can control the outcomes. We can anticipate where this is going to lead us. But the problem is when we ignore tensions in our life or ignore the things that people have brought up about our lives, the problem is is that most often, even though we think that this is gonna be the outcome, Most often, it's not the outcome. It's not the expected outcome that we were planning for. And you know what happens when our outcomes don't meet our expectations? Disappointment happens. We become disappointed that the thing that we thought was supposed to happen or could happen or we anticipated we could control didn't happen. We become disappointed. And the reason for that is because disappointment is always connected to unexpected outcomes. It's why we gotta pay attention to the tension. It's why Daniel did. Because when you do that, you avoid unnecessary disappointment. And for Daniel, he was concerned about two things. He was concerned about his commitment to God and his influence over others. These two things were vital that he was not gonna sacrifice. These two, two things were so important that he was not going to dismiss or get rid of. And this request of the king to eat the food and drink this wine in Daniel's mind was outside of the boundaries 
of his life because it would violate the purpose that God had created him for, what he had committed his life to. He was giving of his life to God to serve those around him. This was not going to be negotiated. That's why Daniel paid attention to the tension he was feeling when that food and that wine was served. And so because of this request, the official actually responds. And he says to Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king. I'm afraid of the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? And so this is a reasonable response to Daniel's request because this guy knew the king that he was committed to. And this king dominated the hometown of Daniel and his friends. That's why they're there. And this this leader understands that if he's not doing his job, he wouldn't just get fired. He would lose his life. And he likes to be alive. I mean, you can't blame him, right? And so he's saying to Daniel, like, if you start to look different, if you start to look unhealthy, like, my life is on the line. And so I don't think I can actually honor this request. And perhaps he felt that this request was a bit irrational of Daniel to even ask. But Daniel couldn't ignore He couldn't ignore what the official saw as irrational. Because isn't it true that irrational tension is often God's way of directing us towards another direction? It's often God's way of getting us to go a different way. And this, this, don't miss this, this is so important because Daniel is an example of the fact that there are men and women and you might be included in this, there are men and women who actually want what God wants for them. And so they're going to make decisions that at first might seem a bit irrational, but in the long game, it's actually the most holy thing that they could do because they've committed their story to God. There are men and women, and again, you might be included in this, that want to lay their heads down at night, and the first person they want to think about, the first thing that they want to know about is if they're good with God. Because that's who they love And that is who loves them. At Active, we want people to meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus. And a part of that is knowing that you are in right relationship with God. And when you lay your head down at night, you know that you and God are walking in rhythm, hand in hand. And there are men and women all across our planet that want to live that way. There are men and women throughout history that want to live that way. And Daniel is one of those people. He wanted to know that he was right with God. That's why he made this request. That's why he responded to the tension and he trusted God with the consequences. My dad always said to me and my brothers, I have have three brothers, one older and two younger. My dad always said to our brothers, sons, obey God and leave the consequences to him. He would say to me, Michael, obey God and leave the consequences to him. The idea is this, that in those moments that seem a bit irrational or illogical or unreasonable, when you feel the tension and you feel like, man, I, gotta, I wanna honor God here, and it might seem silly, it might seem strange, my dad would invite us, invite us boys, and he would invite you, and he would say to you, honor God, and leave the consequences to him, which means that you're gonna do the right thing And wherever the chips fall is where they fall, and God isn't going to be surprised by that because God takes full responsibility. Don't miss this. God takes full responsibility for a life that's fully surrendered to Him. 
God will take care of the details. The details that maybe you and I want to handle and take care of. The details that might seem illogical or unreasonable. God will take care of the details because He, He takes full responsibility for a life that's fully surrendered to Him. Something I learned at a young age. Something that we get to learn about in this story of Daniel. And the reality of that, the truth of that, is actually found in the next moment. Here's how it plays out with Daniel and this official. Daniel actually responds to the official's question and concern with a solution. He says this, Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink, and then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. What Daniel just did is something that nobody does, especially in our world today. What Daniel did is he said, I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna pay attention to the tension and I'm gonna do what I've committed my life to do and I'm going to ask for permission to keep going and I'm going to lay this in front of the person that's in charge of me and I'm going to ask him to feed us this type of food and water and give them the royal food and after 10 days, if we don't look healthy, if we don't look holy, if we don't look good, then we'll actually do what it is that you're asking us to do and he's going to leave all of that in the hands of the official. He's not going to be the one, Daniel is not going to be the one that decides if it's good or not. He's leaving that in the hands of the official because Daniel understands that he's going to trust God and he's going to leave the consequences to him. The reason why I don't see anybody doing this, and I'm even included in that, is because often in our world today, we demand our right. We believe that we're owed everything. And we stomp our feet and say, this isn't fair but because Daniel has committed his story to God, Daniel trusts that God is going to work out the details. And so Daniel goes, listen, I can't eat this food and I can't drink that wine because of what I've committed myself to. Food and wine are not bad. I just know I've committed myself to something better. And so if you could give us vegetables and water for 10 days and give them the food and wine for 10 days and then evaluate who looks better, I will trust you in whatever decision you make, oh, Mr. Official that's in charge of me. That's remarkable, friends. It's because Daniel surrendered his story to God and trusted God with the consequences because God takes full responsibility for a life that's surrendered to him. And here's, here's the result. We have the privilege of looking at the entire story. Here's the result. Verse 15 says, at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his friends looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Not only that, the writer tells us that because they look so healthy, this official put everybody on that meal plan, which was probably really frustrating for those that were drinking the wine and eating the meat. They were probably like, man, this is, this is terrible. I don't want to eat celery for the rest of my life. But because of the healthy and holy perspective that this leader saw in Daniel and his friends, he decided, I want to put everybody on this because it's actually a good thing. It's making things better. It actually gets better for Daniel and his friends. Not only does God honor him in that moment, but God actually honors their influence. The writer tells us in verse 17 that the four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. Like they grew in their influence. Not only because they were committed to the story that God was writing, but they were also aware of their story that they're telling to the people around them. And because they chose to commit themselves to what God created them to be and do, 
their influence grew. And the reason why? It's because they paid attention to the tension. They didn't ignore it. They didn't dismiss it. They stopped and they paused and they listened. And that allowed them to step into the better story that God was writing. So, my friends, watching this, listening to this, is there a tension that deserves your attention? Is there a tension that you're feeling inside of you? Or is there a tension that they have brought to you? And you're, you're tempted to dismiss it because what do they know? They don't understand you. It's your parents. It's your friends. It's whomever. They haven't walked a mile in your shoes. Or you're tempted to dismiss it inside of you because maybe you're just thinking, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just uncomfortable because I like a life of convenience and this will cause me to be courageous. <laughs> is there a tension that deserves your attention? Can I invite you? If you want this time to be different than last time, can I invite you to feel it, to experience it, to sit in it, to face it until it goes away or until you go a different way? Is there a tension that deserves your attention? Stop and pause and allow it to bother you especially in those moments that were unanticipated or unexpected. Allow it to bother you because that'll change you. And it'll invite you into better decisions and fewer regrets. It'll invite you to make this time different than last time. I love Active Church. It's my favorite place to be on the weekends. Whether we're sitting in the room or we're watching or listening together, I love this place and I love the people that make Active Church what it is. I've actually gotten to meet a lot of new people in this last year. Two new friends that I have are Mitch and Allie. They're awesome. They have a fun, fun story. And it's really fascinating how things came about in their story. They were wrestling with attention like we're talking about today in two areas, in two relationships. In their relationship, and in their relationship with God. They were wrestling through their relationship and the tension of, do we want to commit our lives in marriage together? Because they were thinking about just, you know, I mean, we're just going to be in a relationship, we're going to have our home, we're going to couple, that, that's going to be fine. And yet they decided that there was a better story to be told there. They decided that marriage would be the best way that they could honor God. And so they decided to make that decision. And at the same time, they were wrestling through the story that God was writing in them and being a part of the story of the kingdom of God, being followers of Jesus. And they could have just shown up to church and that would have been fine. But they were wrestling through, what are we going to do with this story of God? Are we going to commit ourselves to it? And so they decided to commit themselves to the greater story that God is writing through baptism. <laughs> and by the way, they did it on the same day. They got married and baptized on the same day. Actually, they got baptized and then later on got married. And here is their story. Check it out. Before God, I was on a, a path to nowhere for sure. I was on a Yeah. Uh. I was really lonely. 
on a very, uh, a path of self-destruction for sure. And, uh, definitely an atheist, you know, I'd never really known God. And, uh, I didn't really know that I was even missing him. The idea of walking into a church was like, I don't know, I just so intimidating, so scary, and like, you know, I wasn't welcome. I didn't deserve or earn or feel like I, that's not what it's about. And it's, uh, now that I've found God, it's encouraged me to like push myself, take chances in places where I never thought I would, and, you know, work towards being the best person I can be for the people around me, the people that I love in my life, so. We're all a work in progress, I feel like. It's a tough road, you know? It's not something that's easy, but it's no, full it's of not. purpose for sure. And uh, it definitely put me on a path to a better life for sure. Following his path, you know, makes things a lot more clear. Not so convoluted by everything else going on in the world. And no matter how many steps you take away from the path of God, it is that just one step back. Mm-hmm. He's always there. Yeah. For sure. It's cool. You hit the water and then you come up and it's like suddenly it's clear. You just you have something to work towards. It's accountability. Accountability. We always you talk know, about that. It's a drive to be the best version of yourself. And uh, I mean, you since then, you share that with others too. Yeah. Like we are so grateful for the family and friends that we have in our lives, and like we want to, you know, be those people that people enjoy being around that can go to if they need us. Like it just makes us better all around. And Jesus' story of redemption, like, you know, you can be who you were and he died for us on the cross. And from that moment, when you decide to take him in your, in your art, none of that matters. The biggest thing for me is being vulnerable. Like in order to open up your heart to God and to everything like you have to break down that barrier and, and be vulnerable and be real and when you feel and know that God loves you you're allowing to love yourself. Since I was baptized uh, I feel like I definitely have purpose now, direction. I've also realized since being baptized how fortunate we are in our lives. You start to see people oh, yeah. differently. You see you know like having our home you know, right around our, our wedding time, and just being so fortunate with so much that we have, it just makes us Definitely. extremely grateful. Accepting Jesus into your life through baptism gives you more courage afterwards, you know? You feel like you can take on more, you feel like even the bad times, they don't hurt as bad, they never affect you as, you know, the good times are always better, and it's just, take the step. It's a story of redemption, really, like, like I said, Obviously, uh, we decided to get married, and I felt like, you know, at that point, in order to be the best husband I could be and the best person moving forward, I definitely needed to make that commitment to, to God so I could make a better commitment to her, too.
My name is Ali. My name is Mitch. And this is our better story.
Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you were inspired. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. Hey, I want to ask you to do two things. First thing, hit that subscribe button to stay connected to the Active Churches podcast. The second thing I want to invite you to do is go onto your social media accounts, Instagram and Facebook, and go to Active Churches. Stay connected to the community because together we can tell a better story.